Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Kicking off the show, we were just listening to Groovin' on Feeling by the band Laid Back. That's off Putumayo World Party. I hope your Monday is off to a great start. Uh, kicking off today's show, I'm so excited to have her on. Cherie Salerio is joining us to talk about her short doc, Black Girl Blue, a short documentary featuring candid interviews with black women, from a teacher to a community organizer and an entrepreneur, about how the strong black woman stereotype impacts their mental wellness. Here we go. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling in from? I forget. I'm calling from St. Louis, Missouri. All right. How are things there? They're actually going pretty well here. So I'm starting to warm up. The snow from last week has melted. Okay, good. So we're looking forward to spring. Excellent, excellent. And the last we spoke, um, you were trying to get funding for your film, Black Girl Blue? Yes, I was um, raising funding um, to work on, you know, refining some things about the film, um, as well as to offer free therapy for women. That's amazing. And where are things gone since we last spoke? Yeah, um, since we last spoke, um, I was able to raise that funding. So Yay. Um, I was able to, I know, right? So exciting. So I was able to get, you know, like the audio mix so it sounds the best possible. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm able to now, I was also able to purchase the um, music licensing so now I can screen the film and play the film on any and every platform I can imagine. Fantastic. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, so that's who we are. So, Cherie, how did this idea for this film, Black Girl Blue, come about? And by the way, I put the trailer on the show blog for those listening. It's getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. But how did it come about? So, Black Girl Blue came about through my own experiences with mental health challenges. At the time, it was particularly grief. Um, so, my uncle, my favorite uncle, who I could literally talk to um, about any and everything growing up from sunset to sunrise, um, passed away unexpectedly in 2016. And um, I was working on my dreams and visions in film and television, so I was producing a TV show, I was in a film program, and I immediately went into the mode of, you know, I have to be okay, I still have things to accomplish, I still have things I want to get done. Sure. So I went into doing what I call doing mode. Um, I'm the type of person being okay, quote unquote, means that I'm able to achieve. And so I, um, you know, put the mask on or the cape on that I needed to, you know, be strong and to get that work done. But a year later, everything caught up with me. And um, I was very depressed. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have interest in a lot of the things that had previously brought me joy. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to really experience the excitement of the good things that were happening in my career. And I had a conversation about it with a woman who I was best friends with, um, just about my struggles and how hard it was and how, you know, heavy things were. Yeah. And she told me that um, I was ungrateful for being depressed, that I didn't have a reason to be depressed. What? And that she wasn't concerned. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. come on. <laughs> Um, and that she didn't How care compassionate. About, you know, all the struggles that I was going through. <laughs> awful, so awful. No compassion, that, no empathy. No, not at all. And, of course, that made me feel worse because I already felt ashamed because of what I was experiencing. I was already feeling alone, so that took me deeper into that space. Mm-hmm. But it also made me think about 
because um, that isn't the first time I've heard anything negative about my mental health. You know, people say things like, you know, you'll be okay, or, you know, maybe you're not doing this and you're not doing that, and that's why you're experiencing it. And so I started yeah. thinking about, you know, where do these ideas come from, and particularly for black women, where does this expectation come from to try to be strong and to, you know, keep going and keep, yeah. You know, supporting your family's friends, careers, no matter what you're going through to the detriment of yourself. Sure. And so I was like, um, I want to talk about this. I want to create a safe space for black women to discuss this. And so I put a post on Facebook, um, you know, saying, if you are a black woman, you want to tell your story, let me know. Did the same thing for crew. And we completed it in um, 2020 last year. And well, Semi-completed, but it's 100% complete as of last week. So, yeah. In the pandemic, look what you did. Yes, yes, yes. And there were even challenges there, not even just because of the pandemic, but to finish the film because I experienced more grief. So I had two aunts who passed away within a month of each other. And then I also had my film mentor, my mentor in film and TV. He passed away unexpectedly. So just so many, so many challenges. But I'm grateful that... I was able to complete the film in spite of... You know, this show is called Get the Funk Out. What did you do to take care of yourself, you know, through this loss? I mean, that's a lot of loss. Yeah, so the one thing that I learned through my uncle's loss was the power of crying. Yes. Um, The first time I had cried after he passed away was a year later after that conversation with a friend, and literally I probably cried for three days in a row, but that's exactly what I needed to really get in touch with my emotions and feel what I was feeling and like actually release it. Yeah. So I learned the power of that through him passing away. So anytime I need to cry after that, anytime someone else passes away, Mm -hmm. I make sure I give myself that moment to, to have that. And so that's been helpful. Um, Writing has been helpful. Connecting with other women who've been through or experiencing the same things I have and who are compassionate Mm-hmm. and have um, empathy that has been um, very, um, very integral to my healing, um, as well as going to therapy. Yes. Um, that has been that has been extremely healing for me. So, yeah. Sure. Isn't it interesting? I would say years ago, people didn't say, I'm in therapy. I, it's mm-hmm. it's so powerful. I mean, it's so important if you're if you need to work on things, especially I believe in the pandemic, a lot of things came out for people, you know, things they were kind of denying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. So I went to therapy a little while after my uncle passed away. Um, some things were said during therapy that I was like, I don't know if this is for me right now. It was actually some things that made me, that kind of invalidated my feelings. So I yes. was like, oh, maybe this isn't it. So I took a break. Okay. And the reason I started going back, which was in 2020, is because of the pandemic. So my anxiety through the roof. Sure. Not only just because, you know, if you leave the house or you're going to get COVID, but also um, after George Floyd passed away, you know, it's like, where am I safe? And so that brought up trauma from being young, not feeling safe in spaces where I should have been safe. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just feeling insecure, just brought up everything. And so I started going back to therapy and tried a different type of therapy. It wasn't talk therapy. It's called EMDR therapy. And that's where I got that really deep healing that I... um, that I needed and, you know, just didn't realize it could go to a whole nother level, but yeah. Yeah. That's the one that deals with trauma that's deep-seated, correct? 
Yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I heard that's really effective for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question for you because I've I've been giving a lot of thought to this. So I was thinking how, you know, in uh, the curriculum, educational curriculum, we've got STEM and we've got STEAM, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that really became a priority in the educational system with policymakers. Why isn't mental health part of a curriculum? Uh, that should that should be such a priority, I believe, in the educational system because without mental health, how can you even move forward when you're dealing with different things that are going to be thrown at you? I mean, I think that's a great question. And like you said, it needs to be a part of the curriculum because everyone it's something that everyone has to manage. Yes. Or, you know, deal with, live with, you know, maintain. So yes. um, I feel like a lot of people would realize whether they're having mental health crises or yes. whether someone else is having a crisis earlier if we were educated about it. Yeah. Um, I feel like... Um, I feel like I displayed some symptoms of some mental health concerns when I was in middle school for sure. Mm-hmm. And if more people would have known, you know, because I was doing things that were out of character, yes, then I would have received help much earlier. Um, and a lot of things that I am working through now and have worked through would have been um, taken care of during my developmental years. Sure. I mean... And I don't uh, point fingers at teachers. I I believe it's a policy issue because look at, I mean, teachers, my goodness, in the pandemic, what they've had to deal with, with no notice to go online and have to do what they've had to do, you know, in a pandemic for over two and a half, three years. But I, I just think that there needs to be better procedures and better training and, and people need to really look at the kids that are not that are kind of shifting or, you know, be detective when things mm-hmm. don't seem the way they, they were. Yeah. Yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, I was, um, like, in middle school, and I remember one time, um, like, we used to have class, and we used to have lunch, and then we used to have to go back to class. And I remember one time I didn't go back to class, and I got detention because of it, but my teachers just could have asked, you know, like, what's going on, you know? Sure. Like, what are you experiencing? What, what? Because there was there were several things going on where yeah. somebody could have been like, like, what's what's up with you, Sheree? Yeah. Um, but like you said, a lot of people don't know, and then there's kind of that um, fear of you know liability mm-hmm. also as well. Sure. Um, like, what if I say the wrong thing and it turns out wrong? And you know, it, it, there's just a lot of questions right. when it comes to it. But definitely educating um, people and then having safe spaces can be helpful. Yes. Like my sister's a nurse, and I asked at the hospital, like, do you all have a room where you can, you know, meditate if you need to, or, mm, like you know, that. do yoga for five minutes, just, you know, decompress, because it's a high-stress environment, just like education is, especially now. Yes. So do they? Do they have places, safe spaces? Um, She said they don't have a dedicated safe space. They have yeah. maybe a, a a space to like pray or whatever, yeah. but not somewhere to you know maybe do yoga or meditate or yeah. you know yeah or I'm, maybe do some breathing exercises. I mean, again, that that sounds like something. Whether it's you know in that environment or in the school setting, I you know I know some schools introduce yoga and things like that, but having that space to just disconnect from your phone and kind of breathe and be mindful would be amazing. Yes, I totally agree. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me uh, what's been going on as far as, you know, 
people hearing about the film, and I know you're getting a lot of accolades. Thank you. So, yes, the film has won a few awards, um, including Outstanding Special Programming from the Michelle Film Festival, Fantastic. Um, Best Mental Health Promotion from the Lee Psychology Film Festival, and the Audience Choice Award for Best Documentary Short from the St. Louis Film Opera Showcase. Congratulations. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so it's the season awards. Um, the, my favorite thing about it, though, is just, you know, women telling me afterwards that they feel more seen and heard, that they feel free, that they mm-hmm. feel um, like someone understands them um, after watching. But as far as getting the word out, um, I'm connecting with different organizations around the nation. We even had a screening internationally in the U.K., um, just to show the film to as many people as possible. I'm also reaching out to different um, you know, organizations we can partner with on workshops, retreats, and things like that. So I really want it to be an experience, um, not only of these women's stories and um, um, their journeys about mental health, but also letting people feel what it's like to, you know, take a moment um, to not be that quote-unquote strong black woman or to just, you know, take care of themselves. Like yes. during screenings, we have like a meditation right afterwards just That's to help great. us decompress and um, get in the space where we can talk about our experiences in the film. But um, yeah, just definitely trying to let as many people possible see the film and so we can talk about it and have the conversations because that's a great start. That's fantastic. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with writer-director Cherie Solerio about her short doc, Black Girl Blue. Uh, if you want to find out more about it, it, there's information on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Um, I find that the timing of your film is perfect because I know you were, you know, last we spoke, you were you were looking to get funding, and I just feel like the timing is incredible because when, you know, y- you talk about the strong black woman myth and so many women have had to, you know, be so strong, and they've really been hit hard in this pandemic. I could not have made this timing up myself. Like, who knew in 2019 when I said, I'm going to go ahead and make this film that months later, you know, we would be in a pandemic and still be living in a pandemic almost three years later. Yes. Um, I don't know. For me, it feels like it's divine. Um yes. I can see that. Because the film, so the grant that I initially received for the film was supposed to be an affirmational short documentary where black women talk about, um, you know, the opposite of the stereotypes that are out there about black women of us, you know, being angry and things like this. Mm-hmm. Just black women affirming who we are, who we actually are. Um, and after I had that experience with, you know, grief and anxiety, um, I realized that something was missing from that. Like, I wanted to affirm and uplift black women in some way, but I needed to say, there's something else that I needed to say with that. And so I thought about mental health and what I had been through and then experiencing grief again with my aunt and film mentor passing away. I was thinking, this grief is something I'm always going to deal with. Okay, um, yes. The same for other people. So what can I put out there that could help offer some type of relief um, and so the fact that <laughs> just months later, yeah, so many, um, I don't, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but I know it's close to about a million people um, wow. just in the U.S. Um, have lost their lives due to this pandemic is just 
I just can't even Ugh. wrap my brain around it. And by the way, you know, we talked about the educational system, but imagine that kid who comes to school and they've lost a parent. Mm-hmm. And no one's really focusing on the possibility of that. They're just full steam ahead with our educational requirements. Let's go. You know, and and this kid isn't eating, not sleeping, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, many. I mean, our society has really, and it baffles me, and I think about everyone's, everyone's mental health is impacted and is under a lot of pressure right now. Um, you know, we're pushed to go back into the office. We're pushed to get back to work and, you know, to get back to everything, how it quote-unquote was before, but things will never be the same. Never. And that's just the reality of it. I don't think we've really taken the time to give ourselves the space we need to adjust to that, to figure out how we want to really show up yes. in this new way of living. So I feel like that'll be an e- even more detrimental impact to everyone because a lot of us are really in like survival mode right yeah and i remember um i think it was 2020 i was supposed to go to the east coast i canceled the trip and then i heard about covid and i I remember the anxiety everyone was living under like oh my gosh i sneezed or i coughed or i feel weird is Mm -hmm. this covid am i going to end up in the hospital like what's next and it was just so much anxiety yeah, <laughs> and it's it still it still lives in some ways. Um, that is the part of the reason why I started going back to therapy because my anxiety was to the point where I was you know aggravated all the time. Yes, um, th- there was nothing that would help it. I was a little snappy, mm-hmm. honestly, and I had never felt like that before. And I'm like, I need to get some help. My That's husband good. even told me like, I think you need to talk to someone. That's good. Um, so I'm thankful that he urged me to do that, but. Um, yeah, just a lot of people who I know weren't dealing with anxiety before are now, have been, and are now, you know, trying to manage it. Yes. Due to the pandemic. Yeah. I saw this really uh, interesting post, really hit home for me on Instagram, where it showed a picture of Robin Williams, um, another comedian from SNL. All these people had passed away, and it says, pay attention to the people that are always happy. Because, mm. you know, through there you know that's a mask and mm-hmm. you need to really look at okay are they really okay are they really that happy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not not necessarily it's like the, Sorry, the go phrase ahead. check on your strong friends yes absolutely uh, it's yeah. usually the people who you don't see as having struggles or having a hard time or being sad those are usually the people who are and that's why you know black girl blue exists because all of these good things were happening in my life, but I was I was sad. I mm-hmm. was barely making it through grief. Like, I was barely taking care of myself. You know, things like taking showers, honestly, washing my face, you know. Yeah. Those things were very difficult. Um, but looking at, you know, my pictures on Instagram, you would never know. <laughs> right. Um, looking at the things I would share about, you know, being able to work on this project, you would have no clue, but... Like you said, those were those were masks because, I mean, honestly, sometimes people they don't know what to do with the other side. That's true. Um, you know, it makes they're uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Um, so. That's true. So yeah, I think if we make more space for people to be 
Um, I think somebody has called it like toxic positivity. Like, yes, you can be positive and um, optimistic, but you can also still be real and honest and truthful about things too, because that's they're related. Like, you don't know one without the other, right? So, um, I think it's important that we that we do more of this. I agree, absolutely. I wanted to ask you, how did you choose the people for your film? That must have been hard. Um, honestly, everything, I don't know, everything just, just worked out really well. So I put that post on Facebook and I said, if you're a black woman and you want to share your mental health story, you know, put your information in this Google form. And so I had them, I kind of asked them preliminary interview questions. So I asked them questions like their thoughts on mental health and how they think them being a black woman has impacted their mental health. And so I weeded through that and kind of, um, looked at who was able to, who had the language to really share and explain their experiences. And then from there I had um, phone conversations with them. Um, and then we just set up the interviews and they showed up and we filmed everyone within maybe a 10 hour period on the same day. Whoa, that's a long day. <laughs> it was a long day, but it, it honestly went by really quickly. Sure. Um, I'm organized, so I had everything scheduled to, in, to 15 minutes, five minutes. So that's great. Um, yeah, so it it was a really smooth process. That's great. I feel like people seeing this can feel more comfortable talking about depression and anxiety and mental wellness. And because once we take care of ourselves, we're able to be better to our families, our friends. You know, wherever we go in the world. Yeah, so that's that's the one of the hardest things that I've had to learn. And I had a conversation with a friend a few months ago. Is like I know how to work. I have a very strong work ethic. And I think part of that is because doing is part of my coping mechanism. Sure. So the one thing that I've had to learn is how to have a rest ethic, <laughs> how to take care of myself, realizing that I'm just as important as what other people need from me and as the things that I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that all these things I want to do, I won't be able to do if I don't tend to myself first my mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health, all of that has to be taken care of first because I'm the type of person I want to wake up and I want to get to work, but I have to slow down and say, no, this is just as important, if not more than what you want to and need to do. So definitely, um, that's been very, very helpful. And it's, it's brought me a lot of peace, actually, too. That's oh, great advice. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you, Sheree? Um, so you can find out more about me um, at blackgirlblue.com. You can also um, check me out on sharicelario.com. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, um, sign up for the Black Girl Blue newsletter. Um, and, yeah, that's how you can find me. Fantastic. Anything you'd like to leave us with? We're going to wrap up. Um, yes, I would want to say um, it's okay to not be okay. Um, if you don't have a safe space to share what's going on with you, Go to blackgirlblue.com and send me a message on the Contact Us page, and I'll have a chat with you. If you need to be connected with resources, I'll see what I can do and work something out. But um, it's okay to not be okay. Um, It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. Um, It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel the gamut of human emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, But just know that um, there's light on the other side of your darkness. 
and that there are other people out here who understand what you're going through and who are going through it at the same time you are, um, and that there's help and healing available. And that might look different for you than it does for anybody else, and that's okay because it's just for you. But um, you're important enough and loved enough to get what it is that you need. So, um, Fantastic. You have a beautiful heart, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I want to thank you so much for calling in again. And uh, for those who did, who missed part of the segment, within an hour, I'll have this up as a podcast on the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Always great to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. Thank you for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Cherie Salerio talking about her short doc, Black Girl Blue. Again, it'll be up on the show blog as a podcast. If you missed any part of this, We'll take a short break and then we'll be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.